Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning. My name is Brenda and I'm part of the teaching team here and I am delighted to be with you this morning and take on this second chapter in the book of Philippians. Um, And today we're talking about attitude. So I thought I would start with one of my own attitudes just to get things going here. I kind of have this, let's say this love-hate relationship with Paul. Um, his teachings have caused me a lot of agony over the years. I've had to do a lot of unlearning and specifically scriptures like 1 Corinthians 11 and his letter to Timothy. So according to the way that I was raised in the church I grew up in, I should be standing up here with a head covering. My hair should not be cut. I should not have any jewelry. And most of all, I should be silent. So, okay, maybe I need to give Paul a break. So maybe it's not Paul I'm upset with as much as maybe the way his teachings were interpreted and translated. And that's for another time. But um, I've done some unlearning and uh, I'm good. I'm good this morning. And I'm good with this particular passage that we're talking about here because really this passage in Philippians 2 It's really giving legs to Christ's two commandments to love God and love others. His his letter is, is begging the question, what's your attitude? And he's encouraging his fellow brothers and sisters in this church. He's saying, if Christ's love has made any difference at all in your life, be unified. Be like Jesus and shine your light. He's saying, come on, church. Come on, church. Be one in heart, one in purpose. Be unified in love. Imitate Jesus and shine your bright lights in this dark, dark world. Last week, Gene set up this letter um, a little bit and talked about the excitement like as he, as he was setting that up and I was thinking about all the new converts and the people that were coming to this new way of freedom through Jesus' death and through his resurrection, I thought, oh my goodness, can you imagine the excitement of all the miracles that were happening? These miracles that preceded this, this new, that birthed this new church where they're gathered together with this common goal. Every one of us in this space can relate to that in some way. But for sure, in this space right now, as a church, we can relate to that. Some of you started with us five years ago at the theater. That was exciting. It was new. There was a lot of, um, oh goodness, it was just, it was awesome. Two years later, we moved into this space that we call R5M. That was exciting. That was new. And... Some of you have experienced uh, this as a new church just in the last couple years. 
maybe just even more recently than that. But it's new. It's a different expression of faith, perhaps, than what you had before. Some of you are new, in a new marriage. Some of you have had a new baby. Maybe you've had a new friendship, a new job. But in all those ways, we can kind of relate to this excitement that the church in Philippi would have experienced 10 years before this particular letter was written. Now, Paul, he's wise. He also knows that the newness and the excitement wears off. Like when that honeymoon phase is over and you're in that day-to-day grind. We know that here, right? The excitement has, has perhaps worn off of the new. And then things like competition can set in. Might start talking crap about each other, about our friends, about our coworkers, maybe your spouse. Comparison replaces unity. And the focus shifts, kind of shifts to maybe what's not happening or what is not making me happy. And that new baby is a lot of work. A lot of work. And I miss my me time. Yeah, moms, I miss our us time. And that person I married, well, he lives so differently than I do. And I know, I know I said that I couldn't wait to fix him dinner every night, but I'm over it. He cannot even get his dishes to the sink, let alone think they could make it to the dishwasher. I wish he'd turn off the lights. I wish she'd pick up her shoes. You get it. Or maybe, maybe you think, This new friendship, like my friend, she is just not, she's just not spending enough time with me anymore. Or maybe my friend needs too much from me. See, we feel like the things that used to meet our expectations don't anymore. We want, we expect more for others to fill our cup, meet our needs, make us happy. So Paul's encouragement is don't give up. Don't give up. The newness is worn off, but stay in it. He says, keep rejoicing. Right. You want to say, yeah, right, Paul. But remember where Paul is when he's writing this letter. He's in a prison cell. He is not sitting in his misery and expecting expecting people to come and pity him or meet his needs or take care of him. He is sitting there encouraging the church to stay in it. Be joyful throughout your journey is what he's saying. Jean talked to us about this last night, about this reality of our lives is that basically we are growing, 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 growing until we die. Jesus returns. But it's this constant thing. There's this good and glorious work that Christ has begun in our hearts. And while our true life is in the heavenly realm, we all walk it out in this natural world. All of us, um, 
in our own unique ways. But Jesus' death and resurrection gave us this new life so that we could be these bright lights in a dark world. So Paul's saying, work at peace. Work at peace so that the world can see Jesus in you, working this out together. Yep, we all have differences of opinions and perspectives, but we are on the same team. And we should have the same message, which is the gospel message, which is the message of hope because of a risen savior. But how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we not give up? And how do we stay in it when the excitement and the newness is gone? Paul speaks to this in Romans 12. And I'm just going to read, kind of hit the high points of of, uh, Romans 12 and his verses 9 to 18. He says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to do, outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit. Commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. Speak blessing, not cursing. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everyone's friend. So he's speaking here again to those two commands, to love God, love others. So that's how we stay in it. But can we get the excitement back? I think we can if we choose to. And I think if we recalibrate, refocus, and imitate Jesus, we can do that. So if we turn to Philippians 2 today, nothing's going to be on the screen. So you can pull up your phones if you want to, um, or just listen to me read this uh, parts of this passage here. But I'm actually going to start in verse 12. So if you are one of those orderly people, I apologize. We are going to go back and forth. Um, verse 12, the second part of it says, now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. God will continually revitalize you implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. So we live in holy awe of God. Some translations say fear, but it's talking about awe. Deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit. He will ignite, revitalize you with energy and desire and passion when you discover that he is your inexhaustible inner source. We're not focused on what God will do for us, but how he wants to use us and fuel us. So that's how we recalibrate. We talk around around here about aligning, and Jean actually already talked about that this morning, is we align ourselves with him, and that's the recalibration that needs to happen. We're depending on God, not some duty-driven kind of law of willpower, Some practical steps we can, um, if we look back, starting at verse 2, 2 to 4, 
says, Paul says, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. This just sounds like Papa Paul, doesn't it? Like, kids, can you just get along? Can you just be unified? I wonder how many times I said that to my kids. Like, can you guys just act like you like each other for a day? I think that's what Paul is saying here. Like, you make me so proud and fill me with so much joy if you can be unified. So he's saying here, um, we continue in verse three, be free from pride-filled opinions for they will only harm your your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but be authentic, in authentic humility. Put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. So this is being unified. Live in a way that celebrates others. So this is how we shift our focus or refocus. We're celebrating others. We're focused on others. Friends, I think the world looks at the church and scoffs sometimes. Like, oh my goodness, they can't get along? Why would I want a part of that? So Paul's saying, come on, be unified, be unified. And then he goes on to say to be like Jesus, who in verse five, it says, consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient, even in his death. So this is the imitate part. We imitate what Jesus modeled to us. We empty of self, of position, of status, become a servant to others, be human, be authentic and vulnerable. Like there's, there's no special privileges here. Right? Jesus didn't say, um, excuse me, I am the son of man or the son of God. Why, why do I have to do this cross thing? Like, I think I get a pass. Right, Jesus didn't do that. So none of us are claiming any kind of status or position. We can be real and raw, which is part of, I believe, the vulnerability and the authentic part, being real and raw about the struggles and the challenges. Uh, Jesus modeled that as well, right? In his prayer to the Father, he said, is there any other way? Is there any other way we can do this? He's looking at the cross and thinking, oh, I really don't want to do that. But in the end, he protected unity with the Father and was obedient to death and said, not my will, but yours be done. So we too have to be obedient to death, whatever, whatever it is that may need to die. Um, another step in verse 14, Paul says, live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. For then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, 
even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. Which brings us to why Paul is encouraging all this. He says next, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, offering them the words of eternal life. Your light, your radiance is a beacon of hope to a lost world. Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi and it's encouraging us today to encourage each other. Like that is part of this, this body of what we do is we encourage each other. You stand in a place of life for those who have forgotten their true sonship. If we look back in the Old Testament, Moses had a, a similar a situation with those children of Israel who would continually forget. And in Deuteronomy, it says, you have forgotten. This is Moses talking to the Israelites. He says, you have forgotten the rock that begot you and have gotten out of step with the God who danced with you. So they've forgotten the dancing. I think the church in Philippi forgot the dancing. And I think you and I forget the dancing sometimes. We forget that our lives resonate this message of life. This gospel message. This gospel message, this mindset of Jesus is the motivation. It is the why behind what we do. You and I all have this gift to share. This gift, his name is Yahweh. He is Savior. And verse 10 tells us that the authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will someday submit to this name. Yahweh, that is what we should be excited about. That is what we should be coming together about. It is the thing that unifies us all, even though we have different opinions about how that is walked out, we have that same message. There is power and there is authority in that name. And we, as his kids, we have access to that, to his love, to his grace, to his mercy. His name brings blessing and honor and power and protection and peace. And we should want to celebrate that together. We should want to bring other people into that so that everyone else has access to that gift as well. To live in the peace that comes with unity as a body of believers. That comes with celebrating each other instead of comparing. That comes with seeing the good and looking out for the good in each other. Taking responsibility for our own happiness. See, unity with this message of freedom should be our goal, should be our message. But I always love, like, when, when we have passages like this that, like Paul, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament that he writes, I always love when we can back it up with the words of Jesus. And Jesus prayed similarly for unity before he went to the cross, and we pick this up in John 17, where he is, he's praying to the Father, and then he's praying for his disciples. But the passage I want to pick up today uh, starts in verse 20. 
and he's praying for us. So listen here. Jesus says, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. That's all of us. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you have sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one. Are you hearing the unity theme here? so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. Unity is a way that we can show the world this new way. And I'll just point out this verse unity, or this word unity in verse 23, actually in the Aramaic means to shrink into one. So this idea that when we see Jesus in one another, our, our vaulted opinions of ourselves kind of shrink. So we're united, we're unified living fully with Christ, aligned with his will and ways, but then living a loving life with each other with the same goal of sharing this gospel message. Sure, we come together with different ethnicities, Um, different backgrounds, different social classes, but we have this same goal of sharing his love We just walk it out in our own unique journeys in the ways that God has designed us, the work that he needs us to do, but we do it together. That's unity. That's unity. So this morning, what's your attitude? What's your mindset? Or what's in the way of your delight, of this complete satisfaction that comes in knowing that your life is pleasing to Christ? that you're fulfilling his desires on earth, that you are unified with fellow believers. Maybe your faith, your life has settled into a routine that's boring, maybe stale. Is a honeymoon phase over and you've forgotten your purpose? Maybe you've forgotten the dancing. What made you excited? Maybe about church, about your marriage, about your new job or new child? If so, what will you do about it? We're remiss if we don't always have like an action step. Like what will I do with the information I have? Maybe your next step is just simply deepening your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe spending time sitting in the words, listening for the voice of the Father. Maybe it's shifting your mindset to be like Christ, this this idea of humility and celebrating others in how you live. Maybe this morning you need to make peace with a brother or sister, somebody you work with, a friend. Or maybe you need to stop complaining and focus on being cheerful. Maybe it's confessing self-sufficiency criticism, 
or a lack of unity. This morning, you may need to stop and consider the big picture and why you're here. Consider how you can bring back the excitement of this life with Jesus and be part of the solution and not hold anyone else responsible for your happiness. Do you stand with me as the band comes up? I just wanna remind us that we're really, we're bringing it back to the basics this morning. Back to the basics, and I believe that's the undertone here in Paul's letter. Again, love God, love others. We live in this fear, this awe of God, in reverence and obedient. We serve, honor, respect each other. That's how we love each other, selflessly and united. If we run everything through those two filters of loving God and love others, and we imitate the way of Jesus, what changes? What might the world see is different from their lives and find appealing? Like what changes when we're united? When, you, when we are unified, when we are working together to elevate this gospel message? One of the ways that we here at Restore encourage each other is through prayer. And every Sunday morning, we have a prayer team up here that loves to pray with you, to encourage you. If you have a specific need, they love to pray with you on that. Maybe this morning it would be helpful to have someone pray with you about your next step. But you know what? Sometimes you just want a word of encouragement. You just want to have somebody pray encouragement over you or blessing over you, and that is great as well. So make sure you take advantage of that. And then I also, um, one way that I wanna encourage you is uh, to take this a little deeper. There's a QR code on the screen behind me that you can take a picture of. And I've written down about three exercises that you can use this week to just dive a little deeper into, into what we talked about this morning and some practical ways that you can apply. So that's my way of um, encouraging you this morning to, um, to dive a little deeper. Let's pray. God, I love how you use Paul and all his, and all his brokenness to bring this message of unity to to the churches that, that he's helped to begin. God, I would just pray that you would show us each this week. Show us all in our unique and individual ways how it is that you want to use us to spread this gospel message that is you. To talk about the power and the blessing and the peace that comes with living a life that is aligned with you. And God, as we do life together here at the corner of Fifth and Madison, 
I pray you would show us those places where we could step into unity and be unified. But in all this, God, we give you so much glory and honor. I'm grateful that, that you showed us exactly how to do this. We, your people, God, want to be used by you with the individual gifts and talents you've given us. So we submit ourselves to you, we align with you, and then we give you praise and glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.